The following is a sermon from Pastor Timothy Borman and Sure Foundation, a church located in Woodside, Queens, New York, the world's most diverse community. For more information and for more audio content, go to sure-foundation.org. So far in our sermon series on, on 1 Corinthians chapter 15 that we're calling Apologia, we have proved and shown from the scriptures that Christ is risen, that, that he is risen indeed, and we are not done. We're not done by a long shot making the case of the resurrection. But in order to continue to grow in this knowledge and in this certainty that Jesus is alive, you have to start going to Bible study. Because today, we are beginning a Bible study, really an apologetic, an apologetic a defense, an explanation of why we believe what we do. That on the third day, Jesus rose from the dead. We've, we've come to have certainty about that. But for the purposes of our sermon series and 1 Corinthians chapter 15, we're actually going to turn a corner this morning. We have to do it. We are going to take it for granted. We are going to take it for granted that Jesus truly has risen from the dead and we're done proving it because the Apostle Paul, he saw it with his own eyes and to deny it now would be like saying to a Holocaust survival, I de- survivor, I deny that the Holocaust ever happened. The Apostle Paul, he just won't, he won't have any resurrection deniers anymore. We're going to turn a corner. And now... With the Apostle Paul, we're going, to at, we're going to start to ask the question, and don't call me a heretic right away. We have to ask this question. Jesus has risen from the dead. So what? Because how does an event that we believe truly happened impact us from moment to moment to moment from day to day to day? So what? And don't come at me by saying, okay, pastor, it gives me this vague sense of optimism about life. Because you can get a vague sense of optimism just from spring. I mean, you could could put your, your arms around like a dozen of tulips and take a deep breath and say, life is good. I have this vague sense of optimism. The resurrection of Jesus has to be so much more than that. And it is. We're going to answer and just, we're going we're gonna to just make a beginning, just, just a small beginning into answering that question here this morning. Jesus Christ is risen. He's risen from the dead. Truly, alleluia, amen. So what? And the Apostle Paul is going to guide us along the way. Listen, listen as we get into, this is 1 Corinthians chapter 15. We're going to read verses 12 to 19. You can find that right there in your bulletins. But if it is preached that Christ has been raised from the dead, how can some of you say that there's no resurrection of the dead? If there is no resurrection of the dead, then not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, our preaching is useless, and so is your faith. More than that, we are then found to be false witnesses about God, for we have testified about God, 
that he raised Christ from the dead, but he did not raise him if, in fact, the dead are not raised. For if the dead are not raised, then Christ has not been raised either. And if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile. You are still in your sins. Then those who have fallen asleep in Christ are lost. If only for this life we have hope in Christ, we are of all people most to be pitied. This is the word of the Lord. So, a known sequitur is actually a technical Latin phrase for a logical fallacy. When one thing and one thought doesn't flow to another. And a lot of times, a known sequitur, something that doesn't follow logically, reasonably, is funny. <laughs> and you can actually, if you just Google this later, you can look at uh, memes, known sequitur. And, and there's some real funny ones out there. I, I put one in your bulletin this morning. I, I love this one. It says, I just flew in at the top of the meme. And then there's this picture of this old lady. And she says, and boy, is my alligator tired. That's a known sequitur. It's kind of funny, right? Because flying... And alligators don't follow. They, they just don't go together. They're not in the same wheelhouse. So most of the time, known sequiturs are just plain comical and funny, except when it comes to the Corinthian known sequitur, the, the Corinthian logical fallacy. In fact, the Apostle Paul, as he thinks about how illogical and unreasonable their thinking was about the resurrection, he's frustrated. He's angry. He's actually getting very emotional about the fact that they were holding inside of their hearts and inside of their minds two truths that simply could not be reconciled. And so he asked them this question, how can you say that there is no resurrection from the dead. Now, to be clear, this is a rhetorical question. It's a rhetorical question. The Apostle Paul actually is not asking them to respond. He doesn't, he doesn't really want to know their perspective on that, that question. He doesn't know the theological basis for such a ridiculous belief that, that God's certainly not going to raise from the dead. And he certainly doesn't want to hear the Corinthians respond by saying, you know, Paul, this is exactly why we don't, we don't believe in the resurrection of the dead. Let me tell you, okay? will tell you, we actually don't want our bodies back after they're dead. Who wants a wormy, gross thing like that? This is what they're thinking. We would rather float around spiritually for the rest of our days, like the Greeks thought. You know, some of the people were thinking that, but the Apostle Paul, he doesn't care. He's not laughing, not even a little bit. This logical fallacy that they're holding in their heart is not funny to him, not at all. Instead, what he wants to do is absolutely blow up in their hearts and minds this fallacy that they were believing. So, this is what's going on. On the one hand, the Corinthians believed that Jesus had risen from the dead. 
they really, to the depths of their hearts, they were able to say with us, Jesus Christ is risen, alleluia, amen. He, they believed that part of the Apostles' Creed. But at the same time, they didn't believe the rest of the Apostles' Creed. They didn't believe in a general resurrection at all. They thought, God raised Jesus from the dead. He's not going to do it again. They didn't believe in the resurrection of the dead. But you can't do that, see? If there is no resurrection of the dead, then Christ has not been raised. If there is no category for resurrection, then, then the example, the first fruits of someone rising from the dead, you can't believe that either. I mean, think about it. How, how can you say, how can you say on the one hand, I don't believe that there's such a thing as, as American football, but then on the other hand, have the premier example and believe that, yes, the Super Bowl did take place. You can't. Either there's a category called resurrection, and we have the premier example of it in Jesus Christ our Lord rising from the dead, or there is no category at all, right? It's a non sequitur. You cannot, on the one hand, say Jesus is risen, and on the other hand, say God's not going to raise anybody else up from the dead. It doesn't make any kind of, of sense. How can you say that? Now, this is where we have to push further into our own hearts and lives to understand where we hold these same illogical things together in our hearts. For example, how can you say that there are dead ends? How can you say it? That I don't know where my life is going and everything's going to hell in a handbasket. I've come to the end of it all. How can you say that? Or how can you say this? How can you say and believe in dead hearts that cannot be resurrected? I've tried over and over and over again to save my husband, my friend, whoever it might be. I'm done trying. I give up. How can you say that, though, when there's resurrection? Or, or how can you say that there is no possibility for my own dead heart to rise again? You, you say to yourself, you know, I have no joy in my life. It, it's the same story over and over and over again. I always feel this way. I'm sick and tired of it. It's just going to always be that way. How can you say that when there's resurrection? How, how can you say that you've come to this place in your life, I don't know how it's going to turn out. I, I, I don't know. How can you hold in your heart on the one hand, Jesus is risen but you hold out no possibility that whatever dead end that you've come to, that God can't raise that up to. There's a story about Martin Luther. He was going through a hard time in his life. And he would, he would have these attacks of depression and anxiety. And, and during one part of his life, it, it was like days 
where he just didn't know what God was up to, and, and you could see it in his face, the way that he lived, and, and, and Katie Luther was trying to get him out of it, but she couldn't. He just refused to be comforted, and so one day she decided to dress up in all black, you know, like she was mourning a death, and Luther said, are you going to a funeral today? And and she said, well, no. And, and he said, well, well, why are you dressed up in all black as if you're mourning something? She said, I think God died. And Luther got the point. We cannot hold these things together where, where on the one hand we say, Jesus is alive. But then whatever littler problem that we have, whatever dead end, whatever dead heart, whatever joylessness, that God certainly can't work that out, right? How can you say that? You know, the Apostle Paul, he actually, he gets very frustrated. He's, he's come to the end of his rope, and he actually goes on a little bit of a rampage after this question. How can you say that? And he says, look, let me tell you, let me give you the sequitur. Let me give you what actually follows from the way that you're believing and thinking. He says, all right, you have it your way. Let's believe that God cannot deal with whatever death that you're going through right now. Whatever, whatever thing, whatever dream, whatever life died in your life. Let, let's just pretend that, that God has no will to, to raise that up again. Let me tell you what else you must believe then too. You must believe that Jesus is still dead then. And if Jesus is still dead, then I've just wasted, and, and so have you, the last 10 minutes of your life because preaching is empty and void and meaningless. And so is your faith. You know, your faith that's gotten you through so many hard times? You know that? Stupid. Your faith is empty and worthless and dumb. And he says, you know what else? Grandma. She's burning in hell. So's Grandpa. So's Uncle Philip. They're all dead. They're gone. They're burning in hell because of their sins. And guess what? You're going to hell too. And your sins are not forgiven. And guess what else? You are to be the most pitied person on the face of the earth. You know, you want, you want to live in a world where there is no resurrection. You got it. That's what he says. He's frustrated. He's emotional because these Corinthians are not following through. They are not reasoning. And this is where we're trying to get to. They are not reasoning from the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Okay, so here we go. The Apostle Paul is trying to do, to push into your hearts and lives two truths, two simple truths. One, Jesus has risen from the dead. So what, we say? Here's truth number two. God is in the business of raising up dead situations, dead hearts, and dead people. That's what God does. Now, I want you to, I want you to think about it. This is serious. The Christians in the, in the past, they lived this way. They reasoned from the resurrection. I want you to think about Abraham. Somebody gave this to me a couple weeks ago. I want you to think about Abraham. Abraham had a lot of dead stuff in his life. He really wanted to have a son, like really, really bad. But guess what? His wife's womb was dead. 
But in line with God's promises, what did he believe? And it was credited to him as righteousness. He believed that his wife, his wife's womb, although it was past 90, he believed that God could raise that womb from the dead. And guess what he did? Hmm, right? This is reasoning from the resurrection. We believe in resurrection. But Abraham didn't stop there. You see, as he grew older, as he grew into this faith that we call the resurrection, God called him to sacrifice his own son, Isaac. You remember this story? So Abraham's praying about this. Should I do this? Should I, should I be obedient to God and, and take the life of my own son with, with a dagger? I can't even imagine. And the writer of the Hebrew gives us this incredible insight into the thinking of this great saint, Abraham. You know what he was thinking? Let me read it to you. This is incredible. Abraham reasoned that God could even raise the dead. See? This is resurrected reason. This is, this is resurrected obedience. This is uh, resurrected hope. This is resurrected thinking. So we start our thinking as Christians from, from the fact that Jesus has risen from the dead, and we need to catch ourselves. In the, if we're thinking wrong, if we're thinking like disastrous thoughts, we have to ask ourselves the question, is my thinking really in line? Is my faith really in line with the fact that Jesus does indeed live because he does? Otherwise, we have Corinthian thinking right into our hearts. People of God. Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. Alleluia. So what? That's the question that we've been asking. How does this impact us? Uh, something 2,000 years ago impact our lives every day? Let me put it as, simple, as simply as possible. First of all, it resurrects your thinking. It's as far as I want to go today. Simply this. It resurrects our thinking. Let me tell you what we believe as Christians. And you know this. We believe in the resurrection of the dead. Did you know that? <laughs> we believe, therefore, that God is the God who raises dead stuff. So we believe in more than that. We believe in the resurrection of dead relationships. We believe in the resurrection of dead hearts. We believe in the resurrection of dead ends. We believe in the resurrection of dead whatever it is. Because Jesus truly does live. And we need to practice this throughout our lives. There's so many different ways that we could end this sermon. I, and I've been thinking about it all week. We... I could go on a little bit of a rampage and say, you know what, Jesus is risen, so, he, so your faith is, has purpose, it has eternal meaning, so uh, the last 20 minutes were well spent, and, and preaching matters, and, and we could say that your sins are forgiven, all of those things, we're going to say those things as we go on in the sermon series, but just simply this, we need to practice thinking in terms of of the resurrection, because the day is going to come when you're going to stand next to the graveside of somebody that you love. And maybe you've already been there. And you need to be ready for that. 
ready to say, my Jesus lives. So there's no way that this person that I love with my whole heart is going to stay in there forever. That's consistent. That's actually logical. But more than that, the day is going to come when you will be there and death will be knocking on your door. But you've practiced this. You've, you've learned to think this way that when you come to a dead end, we know what God does. He raises us up. Can we begin little by little to live that way? To put it into practice? Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. Hallelujah.